So coaching is a really challenging job. We talk about that all the time in the podcast, but one thing we don't talk about that often is parenting athletes and the challenges that come with that job. Now, many of you aren't just coaches, you are parents of athletes, so you likely understand this a little bit better than I did 10 years ago as a young coach without children. Now, when I met today's guest, Asia Mape, a few years ago, one of the things that I really appreciated about her work with I love to watch you play.com was the insights that it gave me uh, into the challenges of parenting athletes, especially their Facebook page. Uh, it's really, really hard to navigate this world of sports as a parent. I mean, athletes face a lot of pressure. Coaches face a lot of pressure, but so do parents. I think we forget that in our own little coaching bubble sometimes. Now today, we're gonna talk a little bit about the challenges facing parents and the challenges facing athletes and how we as coaches can be a solution, not an additional problem. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin, joined by my co-host, Nate Sanderson. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter at thriveonchallenge.com, be sure to do that. Also at thriveonchallenge.com, you can check out my online courses. One of those is the Playing Time System. It's got a lot of strategies that can help you as a coach communicate better to players and parents how you decide playing time and then support them in their roles. Check it out at thriveonchallenge.com. Now let's get right into the second part of our conversation with Asia Ape. One of the challenges, obviously, of being a sports parent is navigating that coach relationship. But what are some other things that you see in your work that are really challenging parents and, and making this a difficult job as they try to navigate the world of sports parenting? You know, I think to boil it down, you know, it, it's really hard to not get caught up in all the craziness. And it's hard to keep a perspective of being, you know, child whole child centered. Because what's good, what what is often gonna make your child successful, um, help him, you know, get from A to B to C to D is not necessarily what's gonna be best um, for the child. And it's hard when other people are doing those things and it's hard to see sort of the big picture of development and you know, I, I like to say this often, but it doesn't just go like this straight up. It's up and down and up and down and kind of meeting your kid where they're at, as opposed to like pulling, pulling them along um, and making them miserable and, you know, injuries. And there's so many negatives that can come when you lose perspective of what, what's actually healthy for your child. And it's not an easy situation to be in. And I feel for parents because you really do feel like, oh my gosh, if we don't do camps all summer long, we're going to be behind um, come fall because everyone else is doing all the camps. Everyone's playing two seasons and they really are like, this is not just something like crazy in parents' heads. This is true. And so being able to to sort of see the big picture of where your kid is going with sports and the benefit of sports and what they really, you know, I, I talk about there, there's this company in Ohio and all they do is study character. That's it. And they have like all these character traits of strong characters and I, of what makes a strong character. And if you read the chart, there's like 24 or 30 things. I would say 95% of them you can get from playing sports. 
seriously, like in a direct way. And it's things like this. It's educating parents about the real value of why their kids are playing sports. Um, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of different levels and tracks and every kid is different. You know, there are those kids that, that really, really want to play in college. And, you know, how do you, how do you see them through that journey of club sports and high school to a college career without breaking their bodies down? Like that is a real tricky situation now because everybody is doing everything year year round and so i think that whole big ball of just like craziness is what it's most sort of the most difficult thing to step outside of it and make choices that are actually really healthy and good for your child is i wonder if you could speak to this too i think one of the challenges for parents is the role that the sport plays in the relationship with their child. And I think back to some of the research that's been done on, you know, and we've asked thousands of middle school kids or high school kids, do you think your parents love you more when you bring home good grades? You know, and 75% of middle schoolers say, yes, I feel like my parents love me more when I bring home good grades. And the numbers are even higher at the high school level. And I can't imagine that that's not far from what athletes would say in terms of how they feel their parents, and obviously, theoretically, philosophically, we know that's not the case as parents, but yet it often feels that way as an athlete. So what would you say to a sports parent that, as you said, there's great benefit in participating in sport, both in character development, the growth of the person, but it can also be a very tricky um, journey to navigate when the relationship can become an obstacle or the sport can become a tricky obstacle in the relationship between a father and, and a son or a mother and a daughter. Yeah. You know what, Nate, that is so true. And, um, whew, you know, I, I have personal experience with this. So like my oldest daughter quit water polo. She was a great player. She probably could have played D one, put a lot of, she put a lot of time and energy. We put a lot of money, everything into, she quit right before her senior year. Um, and so I've really spent a lot of time reflecting on where I went wrong, um, what I could have done better. She, she, in, in the end, she's an artist. And that's basically, you can't do both really. Water polo is so time consuming. But in, in really reflecting on that, um, I think it's this thing about support versus pressure. And it's a really, really fine line that most parents cross often without even knowing it. We never said, you have to play water polo. You're whatever. It, but there's an expectation level of just, hey, did, you, you can't go on that sleepover. You got a tournament this weekend. Hey, did you eat right? Did you, I mean, all these constant, we should get you some swimming training on the side. We should, you know, it's like all of this energy around it. There's no way that that feels like support, right? It's like, and especially when she's not asking for that. Like there are kids, there are certain kids that are like just wanting more, more, more. Like everyone's, everyone's family dynamic is different. Every child is different. But I'd say the majority are really feeling this, this crossover into pressure. It's not fun. It feels like a job. And you know what? I've stumbled on, I don't know if someone shared it with me. There was some kid that posted something about how his dad was going to be mad. I don't know if he's like an actual star or something, 
or like a um, internet star, but like he posted something about how his dad was going to be mad because he wanted to quit. Um, he had thousands of responses and I went and through, through and read hundreds of them. They were almost all the same. It was one of the saddest things I've ever read. And it was over and over. I'm afraid to tell my mom I want to quit. My dad said he won't get me a car if I quit. I, I so my body is hurting every day and they want me to do more. It was literally like so eye-opening. And when I do talks, I like to read the, from those directly. Um, and I think it's like we are putting this pressure on our kids and it's ruining relationships. I mean, I think I, it between parent and kid, and I think I had to really make check myself several times that my kids we're starting to get like, it, it becomes more about what's going on on the field than anything else, you know, and it, it's just, it's relationship ruining. It's at, they're going to quit their sport. It, it's just, it's not, it's not the way to go about it. And so, of us, so many of us are doing it that way and don't even realize it. Um, and you really have to check that line between support and pressure and um, make sure you're not crossing it because it really nothing good will come from it. I absolutely love that terminology of support and pressure. And it just makes so much sense. I just have to commend you though, like, you know, for your daughter to quit water polo, to pursue another passion. I'm sure that was like a tough thing to navigate, especially when you invested time and money into that career. And I'm, I'm sure you handle that better than probably so many other parents would. I think that's just, that's, that's so important. And it just hearing you even kind of just your story there about that, that athlete and all the responses of, I want to quit. I, I think for me, it's just, it's kind of scary, honestly, is like this whole sports world for our kids, like this, this drive. I think so much the narrative is today's generation of kids are soft <laughs> They're, you know, they're entitled and all these things like that. They don't, they're not tough. Um, but yet we're driving them and we're working them harder than ever. <laughs> There's more pressure than ever. You know, yeah. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when I was playing, there was not nearly this amount of pressure. There was a lot more support. So I just want to commend you yeah. on, you know, not just that idea, but I'm sure how you lived it out with your, with your own daughter. Yeah, well, it wasn't easy, JP, and it wasn't smooth. It wasn't like I was like, yes, quit. You know, it was like, but at least I had been doing I Love to Watch You play for a while. And and the funny thing is, when you get to the other side of that, it almost can feel like the worst thing ever. Like, oh, my gosh, like, this is our world with her and like all the families. And I was on the board of the water polo team and I was so invested, like, you know, but when you get to the other side of it, I mean, A, we're better without water polo between us. It, it was really kind of between us. Um, but also like, it's so like, I, I have grown so much from that experience. And I, I don't like say like, wow, I hope people go through that so that they can be better the next time, whatever. But I, I really, it, I, you really get to realize like, so what? You know what I mean? It's really not the end of the world. And a lot of times, and and in going through that with her and talking to people over the years, oh my, and I tell my kids this too, almost every athlete at the highest level wants to quit at some time, does quit at some time. Sometimes they go back, sometimes they don't. Like it's it can be a lot more fluid. And the more 
the less we're like, like pushing it, the better chances are that they're going to stay with it and love it. Actually, we really do take sort of the fun out of it for them. I mean, imagine like all they're practicing so much. They come home and all you want to, how was soccer practice? Are you going to blah, blah. And I still have a hard time. Look, I'm still not perfect about that. And I think managing, we've talked about this JP, but managing goals, right? Because your kid says to you when they're 12, they want to play on the U S soccer team. So when they're 15, you're still operating from that standpoint, like, okay, well, we would, I mean, that's an exaggeration, but in some ways it's not like reassessing what their, their, their goals are and where they're at with their sport and making sure they have the freedom to say it without reaction, without sort of a bias, without anything and supporting whatever they are at in that moment. Um, and calling them up and motivating them instead of like, why aren't you doing? Let's talk about why you would do, or, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of, lot better ways to go about it than I certainly knew at the time. You know, AJ, I had a, an interesting conversation not too long ago with a player who her love for the game was wavering for the first time in her life, a high school athlete. And she brought it up to her parents and the parents did not react very well. Um, and so, you know, for her, as we talked about it, and I don't know how else to say this, but her identity in how her parents celebrated her on social media and how her peers at school see her as the, the stud basketball player, she felt like she was lost in the Jersey and who she is as a person, which is what she's trying to figure out has become much more complicated because she can't seem to escape the perception that everybody sees her as the basketball player first and not you know the person that plays basketball and i don't know i mean that obviously we could talk for hours and you know book a bunch of psychologists to talk about that but but along the same lines you know how can we as coaches and parents both try to navigate this together so that players don't end up lost in the jersey without a sense of who they are who they want to be well nate the fact that you knew this maybe even before her parents just says a lot right about you because I think a lot of coaches have that sort of I would never tell my coach because you wouldn't want them to ever think that you know and actually this is a really good point about this I think there's a lot of fear around coaches and being open and honest with them about where a kid is at I don't think kids or parents realize that almost every kid goes through this and to talk to their coaches, I will say my daughter, when she was a year before she quit, she was also feeling um, drained and whatever. And the last thing I really wanted her to do was talk to her coach about it, right? God forbid, like, oh, he's not going to under, he's going to think this, whatever. He, he could tell the college scouts that she's like, what have burned out? I don't know. Like, I'm just making up scenarios there. He couldn't have been greater about it. I think we don't trust a lot in the process. We don't trust a lot in each other, parents and coaches. And he was, he got it. He's been around. He's like, you know, this is not his first rodeo of seeing a kid burnt out and he couldn't have been kinder and tried to work with her through it. And I think I try to remember that and talk to my other kids about that when they're feeling, when they need a day off, take a day off. If you're getting burned out, Let's talk to the coach. Maybe you need this. Maybe even just saying those words to them 
is a departure, I think, from my former behavior and a departure from most parents. We're so scared to miss a practice, to tell anyone, to even mention it to another parent. You know, you're just playing this sort of game of everything's perfect all the time. Like, and it's just so um, counterproductive. And I think if we trusted our coaches more um, and really, and you know, what's the downside, right? What's the worst that can happen? I, I don't know. In most, in most cases, maybe some playing time, maybe whatever, but there's such an upside of really getting to know the person. And JP, you talk about this all the time. You really have to put the person first and know the person and have those relationships with the person so that it's not just what they're doing on the court. And same for the parents. That's how you was first brought up this topic. I can totally see that happening. I see it on social media all the time. People, it's just, you know, good accomplishment after good accomplishment. There's nothing else to it. Like it, there's no other. And I think that definitely sends messages. And, you know, those are pretty easy fixes if someone's willing to do it, right? Or is aware of it and how that might be affecting their kid. I think a lot of time, as I said before, I don't think parents have a bad intention. They just don't know what it's doing. And the kid might not be able or, or even know how to talk about it to them to make them aware. Uh, it's great to hear that your, your daughter's coach was really receptive to having it. And I think it's just great advice. I mean, we had Kate Fagan on the podcast in the, you know, few episodes of back or, you know, last year. And, you know, she wrote the book, What Made Maddie Run. Yeah. And there's an instance of a player that's burnt out. And I think there's so many players in an instance. And our, our natural inclination as coaches, and I think as parents is to tell them to push through, push through, push through. Yeah. I've wanted to quit. You know, I wanted to quit. Um, but allowing them to, to, to support them once I'm back to your words, not to pressure them to support them through those mm-hmm. decisions. I think that's just huge. And I just think that that's such a great encouragement for us as, as coaches, uh, as to open up the dialogue there. I, I, I didn't talk about it enough as a coach, but like I wanted to quit as a, a junior and senior in high school, but I, did it. Why? Because I had this dream of playing college ball all my life. And who would, you know, I didn't want to be the guy that quit on his dreams, right? I've watched too many inspirational movies of Rudy, you know, that pushed through and, you know, sleeps in the, the janitor's closet for, you know, the couple of years so he can make it happen. And, that, and I think there's so many cultural messages that we receive as athletes. So I think that's just a powerful reminder. Yeah, no, it is. And, and that book is pretty, pretty intense. And I, I I tell you, JP, I have two people in my immediate world on immediate teams that are struggling, the the kids, young kids struggling with mental health, and had it get got to a boiling point, had to take time off and thank God they did. And thank God that their parents are able to see it early and talk to them. But I think the sports and the burnout part of that is is a key part that factors into a lot of uh, some of these mental issues and mental struggles that our kids are going through. Asia, I want to run something by you here. So I just took a new head coaching position um, in May. So we're working through Congrats. summer workouts, and trying to get things organized for the, the start of next season in November. And I've been given a lot of consideration to just this question of what would the ideal, you know, balance or relationship between be between me as a coach and the parents in this new program. And I think for 20 years, you know, not really knowing how to answer that question, I've had some great experiences. I've had some terrible experiences when it's come to interacting with parents. And I think this is where I've landed. And so I want to 
run this by you and maybe you can give us some perspective on what you think here. But I think to, to my first parent meeting, the three asks that I would that I would give to them would be number one, an invitation to participate in our culture. So we've already had mini camp and we've talked as a team about our three kind of core values this year are going to be gratitude, effort and love and try to translate what does that look like for a sports parent in our program to, to be grateful, to give some effort, whether it's, you know, scorebook or bringing the bananas or whatever. And just what does love look like in that context of athlete and sports parent or, or what have you? My second one is I would just like permission to share information. I think in some of my other stops, when I've tried to explain a little bit of why we do what we do, or maybe, you know, drop some passive aggressive resources at the end of an email about the importance of sleep or communication or whatever it might be, that the perspective I've gotten sometimes is, you know, who is this guy on his high horse trying to tell us how to parent a kid or, you know, he knows more than we do, that kind of thing. And so I guess with some humility, just asking for permission to put that out there and almost from my perspective, doing it like an optional summer workout. Like it's their parents. If you want to listen to the podcast, read this thing. If you don't, fine. You know, like I, uh, we're not going to follow up on it or do some test that's going to affect your kid's playing time. I'd just like to throw it in there if you're curious about why we do what we do. And my third ask, and I think this one, you know, probably depends a little bit on the culture that you're working in, in terms of the athletic culture. But I think the other thing that I really want with our players is I want to have the first conversation. And in fact, I want, you know, an ideal world, the kid that's frustrated with their playing time or their role, or they don't know what they need to do to get better. If they just go home and complain at the dinner table and then mom and dad, you know, start writing notes down, but we're not going to say anything until the end of the year because we don't want to make it worse. And then they bombard you with this email. And then at the end of the year, there's nothing I can do for that kid who was a senior to change their experience versus if we all came to the table and said, if I can get the information from the player in December, while there's still a chance to do something, mm -hmm. not only can we create a better experience for her, but also that's her opportunity to practice having hard conversations or practice, you know, speaking to an authority figure, me now, instead of learning that with their boss when they're 25, right? And sort of framing it that way, that there's benefit for the child here in multiple ways, but parents kind of have to be on board with encouraging their players when we have one-on-one -on -one, or their kids, when we have one-on-ones with our players to be forthcoming, you know, and you may have to say some things that the coach doesn't necessarily want to hear, but that's all designed to help them have a better experience. What are your thoughts yeah. when you do those things? Well, I love those things. I mean, obviously, and in, in the three, you know, goals for the season are amazing. And I, I've never heard a coach talk like that. I really haven't. So, I mean, I, if I was a parent on your team, I would, I would love that. Now, you know, I'm not the, I, I'm already into all that. So like when I'm trying to think of like the parents that I know with the eye rolls or whatever, you know, um, I would say, I mean, all three of those things are amazing. The, the only things I would even add to that, and this is seems so small, but like have the parents and you and the kids all do something like have that team party at the beginning of the season and make yourself available and talk to the parents. Like once you set up that like dynamic that you actually will talk to them. I mean, I don't know how many of those I've been at where literally the coach is kind of standing awkwardly. No one's really taught We're all like afraid to talk to the coach. And I would, as the coach make a point, 
you're so-and-so's mom, you know? And I think like you said earlier, I think a lot of times they're afraid to say the wrong thing. You know, what is it? Like, what is the right thing to discuss? And, and too much is not appropriate either, but maybe just opening, introducing yourself individually, talking to them, maybe, you know, playing, doing some team bonding thing. I know it sounds simple, but doing it at the beginning and not just in the middle or at the end is huge. And even for the parents to get to know each other a little bit better, if you have a lot of new parents coming in. Um, and then I would just say, you know, saying that you can talk to me in our meeting or whatever. I mean, I, if you could pull kids out every day, spend, pull a kid to the side, five minutes, what's going on with you? How are you liking you? Like initiate the questions so that, cause I think you'll still, if you just say, come talk to me, they're still not going to come talk to you. You really have to sort of give them something, even put yourself out there with them, give them, ask them those questions. I don't think kids are going to um, not tell you the truth in those situations. I think you'll get the truth from kids, but I don't know that they'll be willing or wanting to just go up to you and say, can I talk to you for five minutes? That's what us parents were always like, just talk to your coach after practice. You know, they don't want to do that. And, but if you said, okay, today we're doing everyone who was born in October, I'm going to talk to you for five minutes or whatever, just check-ins, you know, who knows, whatever it is, just where you are actually pushing that agenda and not just saying that you want to do that or waiting for your review at mid-season or whatever, you know, just check-ins where you just create that dynamic. And I, and I have a feeling you do already, but a lot of coaches don't. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the extension of that number three, that we want to have conversations with kids and we're going to create opportunities for that to happen. So we have a schedule yeah. of one-on-ones and we check in with them and, you know, the, we have questions that are designed to get them to reflect on the role or whatever it might be. And um, so I think that goes hand in hand. I think you're exactly right. You have to create an apparatus for that to happen. Um, the other thing we've gotten a lot of mileage out of too, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but doing a parent experience night early in the year, We've done the last couple of years where yeah. they come in and we do a little team building thing. And then the, the captain lead the parents through a practice, you know, so they're out there stretching and playing little games and shooting baskets and stuff. And, you know, that, that kind of breeds a little bit of shared vulnerability for everybody because yes. it's been a while for a few of them since they've been out on the court, <laughs> you know, um, and kind of creates a fun experience that way too. One of the challenges, I think, you know, you are, you mentioned it there, you already would appreciate Nate's perspective, <laughs> you know, and I think there is many parents that are all in line with our transformational approach to coaching, which is, you know, the listeners of this podcast, and that's, that's what they're about. But then there's a group of parents that were maybe, you know, a little bit more of Asia earlier in the parenting journey, right? Like you shared earlier, a little bit more of that transactional, like how can we make the elite athlete? How can we get them to go play college sports? You know, we all can fall into that as a parent and we all fall into those kind of transactional kind of ways of thinking about things as a coach as well. So how is, you know, how as coaches, when we are trying to be transformational, how can we maybe uh, help parents that are a little bit more in that transactional mindset? They're really, really hyper-focused on, you know, the, the goals, the, the outcomes, the the elite performance, you know, and, you know, is, do you have any advice? Because I know you, you're trying to educate parents. I think you're trying to help 
move them to thinking more holistically about their child's development. So what advice do you have for for parents on that? Or sorry, for coaches on that? Well, it's the age old problem, right? The people who need it the most aren't getting it. They're not seeking out that Nate's going to send that email once a week. And the ones who really need it are never going to click on the podcast. Um, And in fact, that was something I was going to mention. And I don't know how, how schools regulate or how much you can do of this. But when you said in your, you were going to eat to ask them if it was okay to send it out and hopefully, but you won't check. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, I would require it. Like if, and look, every, here's how I, a lot of the stuff we do, I love to watch you play are the parents of like higher level. It's not so rec level usually. I mean, those kids, those are just, they're playing and they're not super interested in more information about it, right? Unless coaches might want a little more training to coach or whatever um, at that level. But the parents are usually a little more high level. And so I try to get them from the backside with like, hey, let's talk about sleep and how you're in, how your kid can be better athlete but really it's a lot about health too. You know what I mean? But I don't broadcast the health part. You know, it's like, you kind of have to meet the parents where they're at too. The thing is, is if they do read it, I have, I know one of the worst sports parents who's actually a friend of mine, but he's like, oh my God, get away. Like he's been kicked out of games. No one wants to be around him, but then you see him later and everything's fine. He'll read secretly. I love to watch you play stuff and come up to me at like, the school carnival and be like, I read that article. It was really good. If he reads it and I don't know why, what's causing him to read it or not read it. He will, they will get something from it. There's no way a rational, I mean, unless they're just, you know, certified crazy, there's no way a rational, rational, reasonable person won't listen to your podcast or read an article you send or read a paragraph you send and not see that there's value in building character, that it's about the team and not, you know what I mean? There's just no way. But the problem is they're not getting that information because they're not reading any of the stuff that they're signing it, checking it off their list and done. But if you have real conversations about it, really enforce it, like it's possible. Those people will start. And that's how, that's like a big part of how I think when I'm creating content, I want to just turn that meter turn the dial on those parents just a little every time and they'll get there i really do think that one of the big things that i think uh, our coaches that are listening should, should do is subscribe and connect with your stuff because there's so much good stuff there for them to share in those parent communication emails uh that i think would be really really helpful uh, to connect with all the parents and maybe a few of the crazy ones as well. So what's the best way for our listeners to engage with you and, and connect with you? Um, I would say just go to I love to watch you play.com and up at the top, there's a join our community button that will get you the newsletter sent um, almost every week, um, at least every other week. Uh, we have a new podcast. It's the I Love to Watch You Play podcast with Sam Mignar. Um, Sam is a sports psychologist. He's worked with a lot of professional teams and professional athletes. And we've interviewed someone like a sleep expert and a concussion expert, which I learned so much from every one of these. 
And I'm, I'm writing and learning about this stuff all the time. And I'm telling you, these things are really like eye-opening and have really been helpful to me. So I think parents would also probably get a lot out of those podcasts as well. Oh, and our Facebook page, because that's where it sort of comes alive. It jumps off the page. People get into it. They, you know, have comments and go back and forth. So I put a lot of extra stuff on um, the I Love to Watch You Play Facebook page if you're someone who likes to kind of get involved in the community a little bit more. All right, that's it for our conversation with Asia. Communicate, communicate, communicate. That's my biggest takeaway from our conversation. We've got to be more consistent as coaches. Here's a simple challenge to you. Be intentional. Be intentional in crafting a weekly parent uh, email. And at the end of that parent email, share a link to one of Asia's articles from her website. She's got so much great content out there to help parents. Uh, If you share that with your sports parents, uh, they will be thanking you. Special thanks to Asia for coming to the podcast. She has been a great friend these last five years since I started TOC. And it was great to finally get her on the podcast.